Well, praise the Lord. Welcome to Cross Time with Pastor Curtis on a beautiful Friday morning here in Queen City, Texas in our studio, which by the way is paid for now, praise God. We kind of got stuck with it a couple years ago and and uh, the Lord uh, used it and for our, our benefit, for His glory. To, uh, the, the teens meet in the studio, the, the, the adults have Sunday school in it and we record in it every Friday morning, and we just praise God for it. He paid it off, and now we're debt-free concerning this really nice studio that we have. And every Friday morning, we've been here. This is part 13 this morning of our Righteousness series that you can find as well on our YouTube channel, Curtis Hutchinson 316, and the website, thecrosswaychurch.com. I uploaded the audio this morning to the website, and it's also on the YouTube channel. From last week, we had problems with our uh, uh, camera and our internet, but I record using my iPad so we can at least have the audio if anything does go wrong. So uh, I pray that you'd avail yourself to our YouTube channel. Again, it's Curtis Hutchinson 316. The website's thecrosswaychurch.com. And also there is an app on your smartphone called Spreaker. And you can type in my name, Curtis Hutchinson, or for those who have ears to hear. And you'll find over 250 of my messages. A lot of them are 20-minute radio messages. But we also have a church app that you can get for your phone. Please request to be my friend. I, I, I have a Facebook account, two of them. Of course, Pastor Curtis, in which we're doing these broadcasts live. And a Curtis Hutchinson Facebook page every morning. We are writing commentary on Proverbs right now. And First Timothy. It's where we are day by day, one verse a day. And so join me in that and, 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 and uh, we'll be blessed of the Lord as we learn the Word of God and learn to live by faith, which means by what He says and not what we say. And so this morning again, it's part 13 of our Righteousness series. And we're going to begin this morning. Uh, and you can turn in your Bibles to Psalms 85. And we've got a little crew here this morning. Robin's here also. She's out of school for the summer, so... I'm always excited when my honey gets to come to class on Friday mornings. If you live anywhere near Queen City, Atlanta, Texarkana, got a lady here, drives almost every Friday from Shreveport, and uh, just loves to learn the Word of God. So I encourage you to bring your coffee, your donuts, your pencil, paper, and Bible every Friday morning at 9 a.m. right here at Crossway Church in the studio. Uh, before we read this scripture this morning. I have a couple of comments I want to make, something the Lord really began to show me a couple days ago, and that is, you know, when God offers, where God offers the revelation of Christ and what He did at Calvary, which is the greatest revelation anybody can have, because it's through that doctrine alone, through that revelation, through the context the Bible, through that context alone, does everything come. And if you're watching me for the first time today and you've not followed the teaching, I encourage you to go back and listen to all of them and you'll see that what I'm saying according to the Word is true. And, but where the Lord offers the great, the, the, this revelation, He offers the greatest blessing through it. But where it is rejected, the greatest curse, the greatest rebellion, the greatest deception takes place when this gospel is rejected. And I'm talking about the message of Christ and Him crucified for initial salvation or and daily salvation. Because there is no other object of faith other than Christ and what He did at Calvary. Yes, the early church did not know what we know today uh, I'm talking about before the Lord gave Paul, the apostle, the revelation of what really took place at Calvary. They did not know this. They did not know that, but they had their faith in a Redeemer, in Jesus as Redeemer, as uh, Him coming to die to take away the sins of the world. And He was buried and He was raised on the third day. He's the one their faith was in. You don't have to be able to stand up and, and uh, theologically discuss and know really the message of the cross, but your faith better be in it. Mm -hmm. 
And that's why there are preachers of the cross being raised up all over the world today, just here and there, little storefront churches all over the world, so that the church can make sure that their faith is in Jesus as the Lamb of God, Jesus as Redeemer. And listen, when you got saved, you were walking in the right path, and all you knew that Jesus died for your sins. You did not have the revelation, the illumination rather, that you have today, that you have to fight the good fight of faith to keep your faith in the cross, and the Holy Spirit was working on your behalf. But here's the bad news, and it sounds like it should be good news, but it's bad news. You went to church. And the preachers today don't know to preach the Word in that context. So they preach the Word in, in, in the legality, in the, in the context of law. And we leave church thinking, well, if I'll try harder, if I'll do those three things. And listen, you will put yourself in a bad place where this message is rejected or due to it not being known, we move our object of, we move our faith to another object. But the point I wanted to make is, before we dig in this morning, is that the early church, the disciples, the apostles, the power of God was there. You read it in the book of Acts. You read it in the Bible. Before they had this illumination that Paul was given to give to them. Think about that. But, but, they, did, they couldn't sit down, they couldn't explain it, but their faith was in Jesus as the Lamb, as the Redeemer. They didn't move it to other things until later, which they would. But the Lord gave Paul, the apostle, the revelation of Christ and what really happened at Calvary to keep the church on the right path, which is righteousness. Amen. And, and, and the, the, what the Lord really spoke to me the other day to get all this started was this, that the Roman Catholic, the great religious whore on the earth today, the Roman Catholic religion came out of the very city that Paul wrote the letter with the revelation in it of the cross. The letter to Rome. Think about that. The greatest... Revelation written down by Paul according to what the Spirit of God gave him and sent to the church in Rome. But because they wouldn't cling to that and believe that, out of that very city, out of that very church evolved what we know today as Roman Catholicism. So back to my main point when I started. You will either grab a hold of the gospel and hang on blessings from that revelation, the illumination of God's Word in that context, or you will be deceived and the deception will be great. It'll be so great, folk will be running around all over the world saying they can't lose their salvation. We're talking about a deception so great that you'll be making stuff up that you don't need to repent anymore. All these things are out there today that are false because the deception is there and it's great because people won't just cling to the gospel. They have to cling to all these other things and all the reason we move into deception is because we've already began rebelling against the gospel even if we don't know it. Even if we don't know it. We might even want to serve God and want to walk with God but if we don't cling to the gospel, it doesn't matter. God's not going to honor what you want to do, what you know you need to do, what the Bible says you need. He's not going to honor that until He sees your heart hungering and thirsting after His righteousness. That's why the Bible says, they that seek Him, His kingdom, His righteousness. His righteousness first. Not what i got to do, what He did. His righteousness first, He will add everything to their life. A very important teaching, Matthew 6, 33. They that seek the Lord in His kingdom, His righteousness, first He will add everything to their lives because they're seeking His righteousness, the fruit of what He's doing. 
So I needed to say that before we got started this morning because many want to serve God. Many know they need to serve God. But if they're not accepting this revelation, the illumination that the Holy Spirit has given in this reformation in these last days concerning our sanctification, the power, the provision, and the presence of God through faith in the cross alone, they're going to walk in deception. They're going to be deceived. And the best news for them is they'll barely make it in with no rewards. The worst news is, as the New Testament teaches, they could eventually get in a place where they just throw it all away and forfeit their salvation, which is in the Bible. And the people that run around saying they can't lose their soul, they can't forfeit their salvation, their names can't be blotted out, that's due to the deception we're talking about because it runs rampant where the gospel is clung, clung to. And I'm not talking about you say that's what you're believing, where you that is what you're believing. And if it is, there's the fruit that you are. And it's more than a church service, my friend. It's the fruit. People know you. They know you're bearing the fruits of His righteousness. Praise God. Well, enough. That's, that was an intro this morning. Need to be said. I, I've, I've done what the Lord told me to do. I've put it out there. Now you'll have to do what the Lord tells you to do, which is repent, seek Him in His righteousness, and make sure your faith stays in the sacrifice of Christ alone. Because if it's not in Christ as Redeemer, which means cross, Christ as the Lamb, which means His death at the cross, then our faith is not in Christ at all. It's in a Christ we've made up. Jesus, uh, Paul said they will preach another Jesus. They will preach another gospel because they'll be of another spirit. It's rampant today in the church. Rampant. Psalms 85, 13. Psalms 85, verse 13. If you find it, say amen. 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 Praise the Lord. Let's start in verse 13 this morning here in Psalms 85. The Bible says, Righteousness shall go before him and shall set us in the way of his steps. Now, I want us to talk about that for a minute because righteousness is what sets us in the way of His steps. And Jesus is our representative man. Most Christians never think of this, but we need to think about it this morning and every day. Jesus, while on this earth, and you're on this earth, while He was on this earth, represented to us how we should live. Amen. So while we're on this earth, we have to look at Christ. What was his mission? Where was he headed while he was on this earth? To the cross. That's why Jesus taught if any man come after him, follow him, then you have to first of all deny yourself of whatever it is that's keeping you, hindering you from taking up your cross daily, keeping your faith in what he did for you at Calvary and following him. While he was on the earth, he was headed to Calvary. While you're on the earth, you have to live as though you've been to Calvary with him. You have to reckon yourself indeed unto sin every day. That means faith in the cross. If it's not faith in his work at Calvary, then it's faith in something we or someone else is doing, and that's not his righteousness, that's self-righteousness. Amen. So I wanted to start with this verse. Let's make sure we get it, understand it a little bit more today. Righteousness is what went before him. That was the path he was on. Where did it lead him? To Calvary. Mm. Jesus lived a life every step on the way to Calvary and he was led by the Spirit in the path of righteousness. He bare the fruits of righteousness. He he, what, what do we say? He, he lived a sinless life and was our sin-bearing offering. And the life he lived allowed him to be... How do we say that? The life he lived qualified him for the death he died, which was a sinless life to be a sin-bearing offering. And the death he died qualified us for the life he lived. It's powerful, isn't it? The life he lived qualified him to be the Lamb of God. Perfect life without sin. 
qualified him for the death he died. And the death he died qualifies us for the life he lived. But Jesus, while on this earth, was headed to Calvary. The focus was Jesus going to the cross and taking care of the sin issue. And folks don't like to stick with the cross. And I know I've been there. They like to think they can move on. But you can't move on from the cross. If you do, it's another Jesus taking you on, not the one of the Bible. When Jesus comes back, the Bible says in Revelation 19, He's going to be riding on a white horse. He's going to have a vesture dipped in blood. And His name is the Word of God. Proving you cannot separate who I am as the Lamb and the written Word of God. They are one and the same. The revelation of Genesis, Jesus is our beginning, all the way to the end, revelation, Jesus is the first and the last. Hallelujah. And all that is about His righteousness. The Bible says there in Revelation 19 that He judges and makes war in righteousness. And that righteousness is going to be seen when he comes back wearing that vesture dipped in blood, reminding everybody what allows him to reign in righteousness, to impute righteousness, to judge and make war in righteousness. His bloodshed. Amen. So when we're seeking him and his righteousness first, know this, you can't do it unless you're looking through the, the cross. You can't do it. Not because you got saved 40 years ago, 4 days ago, 4 hours ago, but because right now faith is the substance. Right now faith is. Not yesterday faith was, now faith is. So when we see here righteousness shall go before Him, prophetically speaking of Jesus, He says, and shall set us in the way of His steps. Are we good? There is no path the Holy Spirit leads in outside of righteousness. Now think about that. What is it? Psalms 23.3 says, He restores my soul. You know the Lord is my shepherd. I shall not lack. He gets down there and says, He shall restore my... He restores my soul, colon... He leads me in the path of His righteousness. That's how He restores our soul. And we go to church and we say, Lord, restore me. I need to be restored. You know, I, And we've been reconciled. We've been restored from a lost place to a saved place, from a blind place to a seeing place, from a weak place to a strong place in Christ. But this world we live in will cut you up and spit you out and wear you down. Can, does anybody know that? And I'm telling you, every day we wake up needing to have renewal, our minds renewed, soul restored, refreshed each day. His mercies are able to do that if you come by way of the cross. You can experience that. You don't experience it because you wake up and tell yourself that. You need to wake up and tell yourself that God still loves you. Lord, I thank you for loving me. I thank you for being merciful to me again today. But if that's as far as it goes, it's just words and your faith is in what you just did instead of re the reality of a heart, Romans 10, 10, believing unto righteousness, then it's just a, a, a game we can play and turn it into. How many have been there? We've just like robots turned it into just, well, I, I didn't say my little deal. I didn't go through the motions this morning. You know, I, I, I feel bad. I feel bad now. God's probably not pleased. God's not looking for repetition motion. He's looking simply for a heart that's toward Him through the cross. It's the only way it can be toward Him. God, the only way He can be towards you in His love, mercy, and grace and everything He's got is through Christ and His sacrificial work. The only way that you can pray and receive and experience the things of God is back through that same one way. It's, it's one way. It's right there. Back to God. It's not two ways. It's one way. In and out. God puts in and we work out. God works in, we work out. But our working out is simply faith in what He's already done. But it's all through one door. And if it's not the blood, it's the wrong door. And it's not working. So righteousness shall go before Him 
and shall set us in the way of His steps. What's that way? Righteousness. Let's get back to the basics of this course. That's what it is, a course. We'll write your degree after it's over. <laughs> Give you a big test. Proverbs 8 and 8. If you just now started listening to these broadcasts, you need to write this down. This will bless your soul if you're really a Bible student. If you really want to learn God's Word, that means you really want to, want to learn about your Lord. Because everything is not case, sirrah, sirrah. The more He's able to teach you, the more He's able to lead you. I said something Wednesday night that I thought was really profound. I wasn't in my notes. I didn't plan on saying it. But the Holy Spirit can only lead you in what He teaches you. If you're not being taught, there's, no, then he, there's nothing there for Him to lead you in. And any, 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 any remarks that refute that are that deception and that confusion that's in the church today. Well, the Lord can, you know, He can still... No, He leads us in the path of righteousness. And Proverbs 8 and 8 says, all the words of His mouth are in righteousness. Now, we're going to talk about this for a minute before we move on this morning. Every word God has ever spoken is in righteousness so that Psalms 119.105 can become a clear, more reality to us. Thy word, O Lord, is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path, which is a path of righteousness. So His words have to be accepted, acknowledged, and believed in the righteous context, which means faith in Christ and His sacrifice alone. Jesus as the Lamb, Jesus as Redeemer speaks of the cross. Amen. This is just elementary. This is good stuff. This will bring you back to the place of clarity, the place of uh, where confusion starts going out the window. But you're going to have to let Uncle Joe and that preacher you've been with all these years, you're going to have to let them go too. You're going to have to value God's Word more than you value your relationship with anybody. Because people will pull people away from the path of righteousness. I say there will be a pull. They, nobody can pull you and I off the path of righteousness. But we can follow them off of it ourselves. Galatians 1.6, we can remove ourselves from where we need to be. Galatians 5.1-4, we can remove ourselves from grace, from the effect and profit of Christ. We need to know those things. So, every word God has spoken is in righteousness. Proverbs 8 and 8. Psalms 119, rather, 105, tells us that God's word is a lamp to our feet and a light to our path. Well, that path is the path of righteousness, remember. Righteousness shall go before Him, Psalms 85, 13, and shall set us in the way of His steps. Righteousness, the path of righteousness. So if everything God has ever said from Genesis to Revelation is in the context, not of your interpretation and their interpretation or my interpretation, it's in the interpretation and the context of Jesus Christ who said the Scriptures were about Him in John 5 and 39 and 40. And that means in the context of the only avenue through which righteousness comes, the Lamb slain. For he that knew no sin became our sin offering that we might become or be made rather the righteousness of God in him. 2 Corinthians 5 and 21. That's our faith goes in the Lamb. He takes our sin. We get his righteousness. Amen. And we walk, Colossians 2, 6, we walk in the same way in which we've received him. Colossians 2, 6. As you have therefore received the Lord Jesus Christ, so walk ye in Him. When you see the word walk in your Bible, walk ye in Him, in Him refers to Calvary because in Him refers to the place He imputed righteousness to us. If you're told to walk in Him and you know the only path He'll lead you in is righteousness because that's the steps He walked and that's the steps that He's going to set us in the way of His steps. The way of Christ is righteousness. And the way of that righteousness is the cross. See, this is good stuff. This is elementary. 
The only reason somebody might say, boy, that's deep. That ain't deep, man. It is deep, but it shouldn't be so deep we can't grasp it as children of God. This is what we should have heard, not just us. This is what should have been taught all the way back from the time the Lord gave the Apostle Paul the letter that he did. But instead of just believing it, instead of just walking in it and holding on to it, and, and, and the Roman Catholic Church was birthed out, birthed out of the very city this letter was written to. Think about that. That's amazing, isn't it? So, every word God has ever spoken, going to say it again, it's good stuff. You need to hear it. I need to say it again. I need to know it better. Every word in the Bible... Add a little more uh, confirmation on this. Every word in the Bible is only going to be found, experienced in righteousness. The path that God leads is righteousness. Psalm 23.3 and Psalm 85.13 bear that out. And Psalms 119.105 Thy word, O Lord, is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path, which we've confirmed this morning, is a path of righteousness. Now hear me, because here comes the cherry on the top that just seals it all. The righteousness of God is only revealed in the gospel from faith. Those who place their faith in the gospel, what Jesus did at Calvary, to faith. Because the just shall live from faith in Christ to faith in Christ to faith in Christ in its gospel form. The gospel is only revealed, the righteousness of God rather is only revealed in the gospel. Romans 1, 16 and 17. The righteousness of God, the righteousness of all of God's words are only revealed in the gospel. When we take God's word out of its gospel form, we take ourselves away from Him, Galatians 1.6, because our faith is no longer in God's word in its proper context. It's no longer there. We may be quoting it. We may know more Scripture than anybody within 500 miles. And you've got to be careful about that because everybody within 500 miles will give you a name and exalt you and think you're the most holy and spiritual person on the planet. But you always have to remember what Jesus told the church in Sardis that had a name for themselves, a reputation for themselves. He says, you have a name that you're alive, but you're not, you're dead. You're dead. They were no longer on the path of righteousness. They were no longer even in a place where they could hear or receive. And the Lord told them to get back to the place they could hear and receive. Which is what place? The hearing of faith. The hearing of faith because faith is the only thing that receives. And the hearing must be in the context of righteousness. Or it's out of context. And those who hold God's truth in an unrighteous manner, Romans 1.18, His wrath is revealed against all their ungodliness and unrighteousness from heaven. doesn't say it's revealed against them. It's revealed against their ungodliness and unrighteousness, which is all that can be taking place in somebody's life if their faith is in God's Word outside of the context of Jesus Christ as the Lamb. I'm not talking about just because your faith was there, now you're... No. It's like, it's like our Christian life and our ministries, we've forgotten that they're not just because of the cross, but they're, they're because of the cross and they have to be about the cross. Those of you I see on social media sharing things like these certain individuals out there claiming that we're, we're making a, a law out of preaching the cross, you, you might as well just, just pray for them and th- they don't understand it. They're, they're preaching out of contention. Just give God praise like Paul that at least they're preaching Christ. Somebody will get saved, I hope. But they're, very, they're jealous. There's a jealous spirit there. There's an ignorant spirit there. 
because they're not willing to follow the, the illumination in God's Word of this great truth. They're, they're, they're rather following people and because those people over there aren't saying what those people are saying, well then they're not going to say it and they're going to throw some rocks at those who are saying it. Don't worry. Listen, the Lord told me something a couple of years ago if it's been that long on a Monday night in prayer. He spoke a word through me at the end of prayer and said, I'm going to show you things that's not being taught. Don't be scared to share them because no one else is. Don't be fearful to share what I show you just because no one else is. It will be biblical. It will be in its righteous context. But don't not share something I'm giving you just because no one else is. That's the way ground is plowed. That's the way... I mean, think about Martin Luther. Think about Brother Swaggart. Think about John Wycliffe. Think about these men in the past who begin to walk in places according to the truth and the righteousness of God's Word, but everybody was looking at them and throwing rocks at them like, you guys are nuts. Who does he think? you like Brother Swaggart 20-something years ago. Who does he think he is? He's got a corner on the cross now, a corner on the mark. He's got it all around. He knows everything. No, they say all kind of things, and they will, but we just keep plowing the ground. You know, a little two-year-old kid, one-year-old kid standing over there think we're out there sweating, just, just about, look like we're about to die walking behind an old plow in the garden. What in the world are they doing putting little old seeds in the ground? That's just a waste of time. But you know what? The true ministers of God just keep plowing because they know there's a harvest behind them of people who are going to believe the truth. We can't just sit back and say, well, I ain't heard nobody else say that. If you do that, you're holding back. Now, you've got to be careful. You better make sure it's the Lord. Because if He's speaking to you and it's supposed to go through you, it's going to be the Word of God in its righteous context. That means two things. It's going to point to Christ and what He did at Calvary. So the fruit can be His righteousness, not because something we've done. There's all kinds of nuts and fruitcakes not meaning to be ugly this morning running around, coming in churches saying they're a prophet and they're an apostle and they're this and they've got a word and yet have I hear them to point me to Christ and what He did at Calvary. So, moving on this morning before we start making a nut, a nut cake in here. Proverbs 21 and 21 says this, He that follows after Righteousness and mercy finds life. Well, Christ is our life, right? There's no life outside of Christ. So he that follows after righteousness and mercy finds life, righteousness, and honor. You want to find life? You're looking for life? Your life is miserable? You're, 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 you just feel like you don't have any purpose? Well, repent right now. Ask God to forgive you of your sin. Turn to Christ and what He did at Calvary so that you can repent, tr truly repent, on the grounds, that the only grounds God has given us to repent, faith in His Son and His Son's death for the forgiveness of our sins, and follow Christ. That means get in the Word and begin to learn the Word of God and follow Christ. Let the Holy Spirit lead you in the footsteps of Christ, which is the way of righteousness. Amen. Righteousness shall go before Him and shall set us in the way of His steps. Righteousness is what sets us in the way, the righteous way of His steps. So Proverbs 21, 21, He that follows after righteousness and mercy finds life, righteousness, and honor. Now, when we, say, when we see the word mercy in the Bible, you always have to think about the sacrifice of Christ. Because God, nobody is, you know, and, and we get this wrong. We, we, we think that God is being merciful to a lost world. No, God is being long-suffering to a lost world. Mercy is only experienced by those who come to God by way of Christ and His shedding of blood. The mercy seat in the Old Covenant was placed where God had mercy on Israel because the blood was poured out on the Ark of the Covenant on the mercy seat on the top. 
That's where God met with His people. That's where God communed with His people. And that's where God showed mercy to His people through the blood. So when you see mercy, you have to look to Calvary because there's where God was merciful to... to, to, Let me say it a better way. There's where God offers His mercy and righteousness and life and honor to all people. Jesus tasted death by the grace of God for all men. Hebrews 2.9 If you're reading a book and somebody says Jesus didn't die for everybody but only those that would believe in Him. I've read it. I've seen it. There are preachers out there that believe that but they don't believe the Bible. Because the Bible says Jesus by the grace of God tasted death for all men. Thank God it was for all men. I'd hate for it not to have been for all men and I'd been one of those it wasn't for. God so loved the world. He gave His only begotten Son that whosoever, not you guys over here, now y'all ain't making it, but y'all over here, if y'all believe, no, whosoever will believe upon Him shall not perish. Won't perish but have everlasting, 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 everlasting life. Life. Righteousness shall go before Him and shall set us in the way of His steps. In Proverbs 21, 21, we just read it. He that follows after righteousness and mercy finds life, righteousness and honor. God's saying here, if you follow after righteousness, you're going to find righteousness. But know this, it's not yours from what you've done. It's yours because He imputed it to you because your faith in what He did. And it's not just an initial imputation of His righteousness to you. It's day, Listen, if your faith is not in the sacrifice of Christ today, if you're trusting in all these golden calves that have come in the church, the words you speak, the programs that have come in the church to take our focus off the cross, then there is no imparting unto you fruits of righteousness. Even the fruit of righteousness has to be produced in you by the Holy Spirit through your faith and the same thing that caused you to become righteous and a servant of righteousness. Romans 6, 17 and 18. If we move our faith from the sacrifice of Christ to the government of 12, the purpose driven, the words we speak, AA, celebrate recovery, anything other we're trusted in than the cross, even if it's a good work I'm doing to try to cover up a bad work I did, anything other than the blood God won't honor and His righteousness can't be seen, can't be experienced can't, listen, righteousness, this is very important. We like to go around quoting Hebrews 12, without holiness no man shall see the Lord. Well, let's get back, not at the moment, to Romans chapter 6, says without, without righteousness, holiness can't be experienced. And righteousness can't be experienced unless my faith is in the sacrifice. Think about what I just said. All these people with a certain kind of hair and a certain kind of dress and makeup or no makeup or whatever and they call that holiness and their faith is in the way they look. Their faith is in that. If it wasn't, they wouldn't be trying to get you to put long sleeves back on, honey. If it wasn't, they wouldn't be trying to make you wear a dress. They'd wear a dress and be happy and free and cry. But oh no, you got to wear a dress up in here. You can't be coming in here no more with them short sleeves, man. That ain't holiness before the Lord. See, their faith is in what they're doing. Their faith is not in the sacrifice of Christ. Therefore, righteousness is not an experience of theirs. Therefore, if righteousness is not in experience, then holiness is not inexperienced, and no man can see the Lord through them. We think that scripture really is talking about without holiness, no man shall see the Lord, talking about one day. No, without holiness that is produced because of righteousness, no man can see the Lord in me. I'll be like Sardis, the church in Sardis. I'll have a name for myself. Oh, that's the biggest, baddest church around. Man, Man, you can't even get enough cars. They ain't big enough parking lot to get all the cars in. They got a name, a reputation. They got it going on. 
but can't nobody see the Lord. Now people think, oh, they're spiritual. That's the name Sardis had. But Jesus looks and says, they're dead. And I keep going back to that because there's a great deception in the church today but the, that the biggest and the, the most popular, the most programs and all this stuff. And I see preachers on social media now. All they are is another T.D. Jake. Psychological, throwing words out. Psychology. They are not opening the Bible and pointing people to Calvary. Not, not going to call their names this morning. They, they'll destroy their own selves if they don't repent and come out of that psychology, out of that opinions, out of that men's wisdom and come back to the cross. They'll destroy themselves. Not in their own eyes. They'll have a name for themselves. But in the eyes of the Lord, they'll wind up dead. Paul said, oh, it's a great scripture. Oh, Paul said, I was alive once without the law. That means after he got born again because it wasn't by the law. He, 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 he was alive without the law. But he says, then the commandment came... He started trusting in something, the commandment again. He said, and sin revived. That means the sin nature revived and I died. Well, he didn't die physically because he was writing the letter. That means he began to walk in a place where death was the manifestation to God. There was a separation in his fellowship again. That's powerful. Great this morning. Good stuff. He that follows after righteousness and mercy finds life. It means you're going to find your purpose. It's in Christ. You're going to find righteousness and honor. Righteousness is the only path in which life is found and experienced. Now, let's look this morning. We've got plenty of time. But I want us to look at Micah, the book of Micah, I hope I'm saying that right from Texas. We got a little, uh, a little curve on everything here. Some people won't even listen to me because they say I'm too country. Well, they're not hungry for the truth anyway. If you've got to have a certain color preacher or a certain sounding preacher, maybe the Lord will get you back to a, a proper uh, attitude one day. But <clears throat> Micah chapter 7 verse 9 <clears throat> says this, I will bear the indignation of the Lord <clears throat> because I have sinned against Him until He plead my cause and execute judgment for me. Where did He do that? Where did God execute judgment for you? Where did God plead your cause for you? Mm -hmm. At the cross yeah. in the work of His only begotten Son dying for you and me. That was where God reached for all humanity. That's where God reached for us. That's where God executed judgment for us. Look at this now. He will bring me forth to the light and I shall behold His righteousness. Go outside and run around the building three times. <laughs> I saw a preacher do that one time and he wasn't even preaching the righteousness of God. Boy, just imagine if he got a hold of this message. I did. Remember that time in Texarkana? We saw that. I won't call his name. He was a black preacher. He, you might not have been there. I thought you were. He, it, was a, it was a Sunday morning. He just, he just said, hold me, excuse me. He got so excited. And he went out that side door, run all the way around the building, and, and was talking the whole time on that microphone. He came back in that door and just kept preaching. Think about how far he'd run if he got a hold of this message. My goodness. Watch this. The end. Now, let's just read this again. This is too good this morning. Because if, if the Lord's able to bring you back to an exclusive faith in Christ as the Lamb, Christ as Redeemer, Christ in the shedding of His blood, Christ, let's say it the way Paul said, the preaching of the cross, Christ and His work at Calvary, Christ and the cross. I don't run from any of those phrases. I'm not worried about saying this and saying it the wrong way. I'm not worried about it. And I know you don't have to say cross every time you get in the pulpit, but there ain't nothing wrong with it either, honey. Hallelujah. Glory to God. <laughs> Micah 7, 9, I will bear the indignation of the Lord because I have sinned against Him. I'm going to bear it 
until he plead my cause. Oh, one day, Micah said, he's going to plead my cause. See, those people in the old covenant, they couldn't even go to heaven. They had to go to paradise, which was a temporary holding place because the blood of bulls and goats never pleased God. Hebrews said they were temporary, showing forth that which would come that day in which their cause would be pled. <laughs> and their judgment for the, the judgment for their sin would be executed at Calvary. Their faith in a coming Redeemer allowed them to be put in a safe place called paradise until Jesus could come and plead their cause and make judgment for their sin. Hallelujah. That's good news. He will bring me forth to the light and I shall behold His righteousness. Boy, I don't usually say this, but I feel this all over my body this morning. When He brings you to the light, Jesus is the light. When, he bring, when you're brought to the light and the light of Jesus is the way of His righteousness. Look at what He says. He will bring me forth to the light. What am I going to see when He brings me to the light? His righteousness. Everybody that's thinking they can work their way in the kingdom or work their way and get victory over sin, and they don't understand that that's not His righteousness. His righteousness is produced by what He did, not what we do. Woo! Boy, y'all just go home and take another nap. You sleep good this morning. Hey, that's good stuff. When you're brought by the Spirit of God to the light, it's His righteousness you'll behold. Jesus is the light. If you're truly walking with Jesus, I didn't say going to church, you need to be in church, but it better be one that's pointing you to the light. That means to Christ and what He did at Calvary because Jesus is the light, but the cross is the switch. Jesus is the door, but the cross is the hinge. It ain't just Jesus, honey. It's Jesus as the Lamb. Jesus as Redeemer. Jesus as the one who bore our sins. Jesus and His work at the cross. Now, confirm this with another scripture you say. I'm so glad you asked me to do that. Proverbs 12 and 17, another one of my favorites over the last four or five years. He that speaks truth shows forth righteousness. Remember, if the Holy Spirit, through your faith in the sacrifice, which is the gospel of Jesus Christ, your faith, He brings you to Christ, immerses you into Christ, Romans 6, 3. And what do you see? His righteousness. He that speaks truth shows forth righteousness. Truth is the only avenue of righteousness. Jesus said when you know truth, the truth will make you free. From sin He talked about in John 8. So what is it about Jesus as the truth that makes you free from sin? What He did at Calvary. You can't get away from the cross. You can't, you can't move away from the cross. That's where, you know, preachers, I hate it. I was in the same boat. We just didn't know it. But now you've heard it. Now you're no longer ignorant. Now you have to choose to ignore. You'll turn into the Roman Catholic Church if you do. The church in Rome was given the letter by the Apostle Paul. What happened to the letter? What happened to those that could have read it, believed it, and lived it? Where'd they go? How come all of that evolved into such a state of rebellion where the greatest revelation was given, the greatest deception grew out of? Because it was rejected. Where the gospel is rejected. And listen to me, preacher. You're rejecting it if you're not preaching it. The message of the cross, the preaching of the cross is foolishness to those who won't preach it. How often? Well, how often do you quote God's Word? How often do you open the Bible? Because every word God has ever spoken is in this place He's called righteousness. We've already covered it. And righteousness is only revealed in the Gospel. Romans 1, 16 and 17. So how much longer before you just break down and say, God, I'm sorry, forgive me. I know I'm going to lose everything I've worked for, everything I've built, everything I've declared you built that's not been right. 
Everything I've wrote in journals, all the VHS and CDs I've made, that's not been right. Do you know I burn all mine? For the longest, I held on to those big square VHSs. I thought, you know, and my, my thoughts in the back of my mind was, you know, my grandkids, they, they, they might like watching them. The Lord spoke to me one day and said, they don't need to watch them. Those will lead them down the wrong path. Let me tell you something. When, you, when this message grabs a hold to your heart and it can't do it unless you let it by faith, then you will go home and you will have a bonfire. You will be like the Apostle Paul. You will count all that dung. You will count all that out of here. You'll be willing to start all over and be taught the Word of God in its proper context so that there can be a real move of God, not just a move of your emotions, which God gave them to us and praise God for them, but a lot of what's going on in the church today is nothing more than emotion, nothing more than feelings. This means I know it, I've been in it, this means I don't agree and you don't have a clue. I've seen preachers knowing there's some family or two going to leave their church so the preachers and their wives will get on the platform and they'll dramatically display a, a burst of emotions and cry and they'll manipulate God's people is what it is. Manipulate God's people. I want you to know Moses, did, I mean Moses, Noah didn't get up on the ark and try to put on a display of emotions for the people to believe. He simply, the Bible says, was a preacher of righteousness. We can't make people believe. We can't make people not believe. We simply preach the Word of God in its righteous context, which is Christ and Him crucified. I love Micah 7, 9. If you're walking in the light, you're beholding His righteousness. But notice in the first part of the verse, it's all about what God does to execute judgment and plead your cause, his, your cause against sin. It's, it's really God pleading His cause. You're guilty, but I'll set you free. You're, you're, you're guilty, but I'll forgive you. You're guilty, but I'll justify you. I'll execute judgment. What is it? Psalms 9.16. Oh, what a guess. Let me turn over. This will bless you if it's right. Psalms 9. Get back over there. 16. Says, here it is. I was right. Praise God. The Lord is known. Everybody say, the Lord is known. Watch this now. By the judgment which He executes. How do you know the Lord? The Bible says in John 17, 3, this is eternal life that they know the one true God and His Son, Jesus Christ, whom He sent. Eternal life is you knowing God. So that means... Your knowledge of God is through the sacrifice of Christ because there is no eternal life without your faith in that. Amen. That's the judgment Micah wrote about where God would plead our cause. His cause, the call. He would, he would plead our cause. He would execute judgment and we could know Him. Not know there is a God. Not know there might be a high power and all those phrases. We could know God because He sent His Son so we could know Him through His Son and the death He provided for us. Never forget Psalm 9.16. The Lord is known by the judgment which He executes. And you've heard me say this before. And I, and I love it. Every story in the Bible has this scenario in it. God makes judgment. Some are saved, some are not. And by those, through those who are saved, by believing God, He's glorified. Through the whole Bible. Judgment, salvation, glorification. Every story. God gave His Word to Adam. Salvation came by those who believed what God showed up in the garden and gave as the answer. What was God's answer? His judgment again. 
God's initial judgment where you're free to eat of all the trees in the garden. Just don't eat of that one over there, bud. That one over there. If you eat of that tree, the day you eat of it, you will surely die. Mm -hmm. Well, that was God's judgment. Mm -hmm. And when we sinned, God rushed in and gave another judgment. And that judgment was a seed of the woman going to crush your head, devil, and you'll bruise his heel. That was the message of a virgin birth and a crucifixion by an innocent sacrifice at Calvary. Well, then Adam and Eve started having kids and the judgment had already been made. And when Abel believed, God declared him as righteous. You can read about it in Hebrews 11. But when Cain rejected it, God pushed him out. You can't, listen, you can't be in the path God's called you to be in if you're not, faith's not in the sacrifice. You're just wandering, still searching because you've not accepted the sacrifice. But God gave judgment. Some was saved. Abel. Some were not. Cain. But God's glorified through Abel. The ever story in the Bible. God's judgment, salvation, glorification. Every one of them. So, let's read this again. We've got about five minutes left, four and a half minutes left. Micah 7, 9. This just got all over me this morning. Micah says, I will bear the indignation of the Lord because I have sinned against Him. Until, see, well that word right there ought to make you shout. Because God has got a plan. God had an until. This ain't going to last forever. It's only going to last until. Until He plead my call. See, I can't plead it. I can't plead my cause. You ever wondered why man couldn't save himself? Because the Bible says we're dead. The dead man can't do anything, much less save himself. We were dead in our sins. A dead man can't save himself. You ain't never seen a dead man do nothing. Until he plead my cause and execute. That means God showed up and carried out judgment for me. If it gets done, God's got to do it for me. God's got to do it in me. God's got to do it through me. God's got to do it. God's got to do it. Jesus taught that. We can't do anything without Him. Nothing. No thing. He will bring me forth to the light. Now He's talking about through this judgment God would execute. This this pleading of His cause that God would plead through this judgment. Through this... execution of judgment and he's talking about his sin. It's all right here in one verse. That's so powerful. He will bring me forth to the light and I shall behold his righteousness because he pled my cause. He executed judgment for me. He did it for me. I didn't do it for myself because if I did then I got reason to boast and if I have reason to boast it's not grace. Y'all about to make me shout up in here this morning. Teach myself happy. Y'all going to get a diploma. Eventually, y'all going to get a diploma. (laughs) I got a PhD. Public high school diploma. Expert post hole digger operator. This good stuff this morning. Thank God for the... Friday morning Bible study. Thank God for all of you who watch. Thank God for you. There's not that many people who are really concerned about the righteousness of God. Even those that read their Bibles, even those that go to church, they're really not concerned about the righteousness of God. That means the fruit of what He's doing in your life. When Jesus taught those that hunger and thirst for righteousness, after righteousness, they will be filled. That means they will be filled with the fruits of His righteousness. But Jesus also taught that when He comes back, it'll be as in the days of Noah. And when we look back in the days of Noah, we see one preacher of righteousness. Thank God there's more than one today. We see one preacher back in that day called by the Word of God a preacher of righteousness. And we see one family of eight saved. Jesus said it's going to be like that. 
See, there's not a big revival prophesied to take place in the last days. There's a great falling away, a great seduction, a great deceiving. When the disciples asked Jesus, what's going to be the sign of your coming? You know how He answered them? Let no man deceive you. Be not deceived. Deception is running rampant. You can go and there's 500 churches in every rural town in America. May not be but one dollar store in one Walmart, but there's 500 churches there. And you can go in every one of them and you will rarely, rarely hear the Bible taught, preached in its righteous context. Who are they that are doing so? Psalms 94.15 Those who have returned their judgment unto righteousness. Those who make their judgments according to God's Word in its righteous context. Well, the bad news is we're out of time. The good news is we'll be back next Friday. We love you. We praying for you. Pray for us. And if you feel led to support this ministry, you can do that at thecrosswaychurch.com. There's your offering basket at that website. And until next Friday morning when I see you again here at Cross Time with Pastor Curtis, stay determined to know absolutely nothing but Christ and Him crucified. God bless you.